Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1. A verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We're in John chapter 3, which of course has some many wonderful verses. Indeed, it contains the most famous verse in the entire Bible. That's John 3.16. And Jesus has been having a discourse with Nicodemus, and now we are dealing with John the Baptist. At least we began with that at the end of the last lesson. And so John the Baptist is going to comment about the ministry of Jesus. He already had baptized him, and now came a very interesting situation. John baptized Jesus. He was now making, in a sense, his debut to his countrymen in Israel, as well as the world. And as he began his ministry, he was starting to baptize people as well, probably not far from where John was. It would look like competition, but John doesn't view it like that, because John is looking at the bigger picture. Yes, John is already what I would call spiritually mature. So he's not threatened because Jesus was doing so well. He didn't have an ancient dose of the tall poppy syndrome, wanting to cut somebody down to size so that he didn't feel insecure about his own position. No, John is a man of God, and he responds like a mature spiritual individual. I want to deal with the topic in this lesson of the coming bridegroom. When you know the bridegroom is coming, it's time to get ready, to be prepared. The focus is not on the groomsmen or the bridesmaids. The focus is on the bridegroom and the bride. They are the main event. Of course, these are metaphors speaking about Christ, his personhood, his mission and work, and the promise of his coming and of his kingdom. Remember, friends, and I say this a lot, every time we say the Lord's Prayer, we are praying for a coming kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So the lesson is called The Coming Bridegroom. The range of verses is John chapter 3, verses 27 to 36. And I want to read, yes, a couple of verses as a summary, and then we're going to look at the entire passage. Let's begin with verse 31 of John 3. It says, He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. What is being said here? Well, of course, the reference has to do with Jesus. It's even implying his divinity. 
Remember that this series is actually entitled The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1. So the thing is, if John is building the case that Jesus is truly and fully God and fully man, he's going to use every credible witness to back up this incredible claim. And we're going to see John does line up the best witnesses possible. And we'll learn more about that in chapter 5, verses 30 to 40. Nevertheless, John will be one of those witnesses. And he says here that the person that comes from above is above all. Of course, that's Jesus. He comes from above. He comes from heaven because, after all, he is God. And he is, therefore, having authority over everything and everyone. Then there's the reference to people on the earth, and they're earthy and earthly, and they speak of things of the natural and of the earth. And he that comes from heaven is above all. So, obviously, heaven is above earth. The spiritual is more important and more authoritative than the natural. The heavenly outtrumps the earthly. And he testifies of what he sees and hears. But because he's from above and people are from below, they do not receive his testimony. I want to read now the entire portion of John chapter 3, verses 27 to 36. Our lesson is called The Coming Bridegroom. The reference once again, John chapter 3, verses 27 to 36. Friends, this is God's word. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to be his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Our reading is from John chapter 3, verses 27 to 36. The lesson is called The Coming Bridegroom. Let's remember the background here. John the Baptist is in the region of the Jordan River, or at least in the region of uh, the Rift Valley, which is where he did baptizing. Jesus appears to not be very far away, and he is having people baptized, though not he himself, but the disciples. And when John's followers came to him, most concerned that Jesus and his disciples 
were baptizing more people than John, they thought they basically lost their ministries. John takes what I call a relaxed view in John 3, verse 27. And he makes the simple statement, a man cannot receive anything except God gives it to him. Whatever we have, whoever we are, whatever we hope to be, all is in God's wonderful hand. That includes our call, gifting, provision, protection. Indeed, everything comes from God. And so in verse 28 of John 3, John reminds his followers he is not the Messiah or Christ. No, he is the forerunner of Messiah. He's the man who heralds the coming of the Lord. That's John's most honorable role. He sounded the trumpet through his words and deeds that the one coming after him is preferred before him because he was before him. Jesus had a pre-existence, being Son of God, and that whoever the dove of the Holy Spirit alighted on, this is the man who would baptize the world with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this promise of the coming baptizer in the Spirit through John the Baptist is echoed in all the Gospels. That's how important this promise is. And then, John 3.29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. Now, that seems like an obvious thing, but not as obvious as you would first guess. John had a very important role to play. He is the friend of the bridegroom. Now, the friend helps the bridegroom prepare for the wedding. They do a lot of practical jobs, and basically, they're the donkey. They carry the burden. This should be a great source of joy to the friend to not only support the bridegroom and to have an honored part in the wedding, but to also enjoy the rewards of the wedding because it's a happy, festive, and food-filled occasion. Nevertheless, the friend is not the main event. The main event is the bridegroom. Now, God was considered to be the bridegroom of his ancient covenant people Israel in the Old Testament. Thus, by implying that Jesus was a bridegroom is another way to affirm his divinity, that he that comes from above is above all. All of this pointing to the sonship of God, or Son of God, which is Jesus. And then, passing on the baton, or, as they say in Australia, passing the baton. John 3, verse 30. John's faith and humility are remarkable. He doesn't seem the least bit phased that Jesus was getting more attention, more followers, and, pardon the expression, more baptisms chalked up to his credit than what John had. It didn't worry him at all. Now, I have to say, this is remarkable because a lot of people get very easily threatened if they see the neighboring ministry down the road doing better than them. We shouldn't think this way, but, you know, we are human. And all I can say is the only way to overcome these things is to be guided by the Word, filled with the Holy Spirit, and hearing what God has to say. All I know is when you obey God, you will be blessed, even if it appears that others are even more blessed than you.
So, the very next verse, verse 31, it talks about above all. He who comes from heaven is above all. Those who are from the earth are earthly and speak of the things of the earth. This is another description of carnality. Thinking of the earth, speaking the things of the earth, doing the things of the earth, or what we call the world system, the cosmos. And being from above implies heavenly authority, preeminence, and power. Jesus, the bridegroom from heaven, has all authority in heaven and earth. And he not only had it, he still does, and in fact, he always will have it. And it talks about something very strange and not very good in John three thirty-two. This testimony of the Son of God will be rejected. Remarkably, despite his superlative credentials, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of David, Son of God, would have his testimony rejected. In part, this was due to the fact that Jesus speaks of heavenly things while his audience, many of them his fellow countrymen, think only of earthly things. Basically, they're speaking two very different languages. We notice this in John's Gospel. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, of course, this is a spiritual reality, but Nicodemus is thinking, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? We're going to also learn in the very next chapter, John chapter 4, the woman of Samaria at the well. Jesus is going to talk about living water, and she's going to think about the water that's down at the bottom of Jacob's well. And Please give me this water so I never have to draw water from this well again. It's two different wavelengths. Somehow, by God's grace, the two wavelengths will be equalized and fused together. So the testimony will be rejected partially because of the different languages, one's heavenly, one's earthly, one's spiritual, one's carnal. But another reason for the rejection of Christ's testimony among people is because he represents the light and they love the darkness. John chapter 3, verse 33. God is true. To those who accept Jesus' testimony, they are accepting God's word, and they're basically saying that God's testimony through Christ is true. But very frighteningly, to reject Christ's testimony is tantamount to saying that God is a liar, to which God forbid. In fact, Paul actually says, may God be true because he is and every man a liar, because we are, or at least we have been. And, and if we repented and come to faith in Christ, then, of course, we are beholden to God's truth. The words of God. John 3, verse 34. God's heavenly messenger was sent to speak what is called the words of God. This is what prophets do. They know God, walk with God, and make known his plans and purposes, or his word. What we read in the Old Testament, sometimes the words of the prophets were accepted, oftentimes they were not, and they even paid a high price being faithful to God, sometimes with their very lives. Now you've got somebody even more important than any prophet. You have God the Son coming to earth for paying 
the sins of the world on the cross. God's heavenly messenger is sent to speak the words of God. This is made possible by the Holy Spirit, who inspires the word of God in the first place, particularly the scriptures. Then comes this interesting phrase, for God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. What is this actually saying? Basically, Jesus Christ is the first person to be receiving the fullness of the Spirit without limitation. Another way to put it is, Jesus was the first person to be baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. Prior to the coming of Jesus, all the anointed ones, particularly anointed prophets like Moses, Elijah, Elisha, of course they were anointed by the Holy Spirit. We could even say they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But none of them had a permanent immersion or outlet to the Spirit. It's kind of like saying they ran on a wonderful lithium battery power, but eventually their batteries ran dry. Baptism in the Spirit is like a permanent immersion or being plugged into a heavenly outlet. You never have to worry about recharging batteries or replacing them because you never are cut off from the source of power. That's what baptism in the Spirit is, and Jesus had this phenomenon. Yes, of course, he's God. He can have the prerogatives of God, but as we learn in the New Testament, he put those prerogatives to the side and became just like us, dependent on God, dependent on prayer, dependent on the Holy Spirit who came on him like a dove, setting an example for us all. That's why he was water baptized, even though he had no sin to repent of. Verse 35, God the Father loves the Son and has given him access to all things. Bottom line, John 3.36, whoever believes the Son, the Son of God, his identity, words, and work, has everlasting life. To reject the Son by disbelieving in his words does not see life. Instead, the wrath of God is coming upon all sinners and will remain with him. Friends, there's really no middle ground. We want God. We want his salvation. We want his gift of forgiveness of sins and of eternal life. So our lesson is called The Coming Bridegroom, and our lesson for life is this. It is time to get ready because a bridegroom is on his way. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.